Welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanders of Melisanda for the Accidental Aliens. I'm Keith Foster, a managing partner of Invader Comics and the writer of both Kadoja and Three Protectors. Yeah, you are, buddy. Yeah, you are. I am. And you know what else you are? I'm all of those things. You are. You know what this other thing you are? You're a person drinking a beer. So what beer would that be? I... I am. I'm a person drinking a beer, and this is where it won't it won't take long. So let's get it out of the way, okay? So COVID is weird. I'm gonna I'm gonna get that out of the way. Um, I don't think this strikes anyone as an odd statement, but now that I am a, a week plus in, um, it look it hasn't been that bad, okay? Uh, my my standard line about COVID because when we last recorded, I was just on the beginning of it. I had just tested positive, I think, that morning, and now I, I have some time. And it's like it's like playing Texas Hold'em, where you get a different two cards every single day. So it's just like, oh, what are my two symptoms today? Let's wake up and find out, you know. And uh, that's what it's been. It's been really weird. It it never got as bad as a eight out of 10 cold. It never even got that bad, but it is hanging and it does not want to leave. So like, I'm probably going to have to mute myself a lot for like hacking, you know, in the, in the end game here when I'm doing all the, the editing and stuff. Cause that's just what it's been like, man. And, and what's weird about it, the weirdest thing I think about COVID is that it just gives me these strange, like strong cravings or strong anti cravings. And so that is a build-up to say that I am drinking a Kona Brewing mm. Big Wave, okay? And I am doing that because I just got an amazing shipment of a ton of really cool stouts. There's all kinds of kick-ass stouts I can't wait to try. I want nothing but a lager right now. That is all I want. It, it must be COVID. Like, an IPA is is a horrible idea to me right now. And a hazy IPA is even worse. And stouts are just, they're too damn heavy. You know, like I had truly hard seltzers last night. They were perfect. And today I'm having either one or two just light 4% drinkable lagers. I mean, it is summer, but a lot of this just has to do with, with just COVID brain, COVID taste buds, whatever it is, you know. So, how's your, yeah, man, that's what I'm How's doing. your taste buds? Are you able to taste things still? Perfect. Okay, good. They're fine. They're fine, and my wife's got jacked for four and a half days. She couldn't taste anything. Oh, no. Yeah. Is, is it know. back, it or she's still unable? It's back. Okay, good. Yeah, it, dude, it, it came back the other day, and uh, random thing, that when when she first lost her taste, she was kind of like, do I, do I taste anything? And so she went for the strongest flavor stuff that we have. And to her, those two things were Coke Zero and Doritos. So uh, she she said she took a Dorito and like rubbed it all around her tongue <laughs> just to try to taste it. And she was like, nothing. Wow. This tastes like absolutely nothing. So for like four and a half days, she just ate for texture, you know, and uh, and kept on hoping and kept on trying and all that stuff. Oh, right? man, I would I would have eaten. Uh, OK, so my nephew got it. Unfortunately, he was not vaccinated and he still cannot taste. So he's going on a year one year oh my god yes so he has not tasted shit like he can taste some spicy stuff a little bit but that's it mm. and it's funny because i said so are you eating healthier then and he goes no i'm eating exactly what i used to eat and i'm like hmm. why would you though like like i would yeah, just be exactly. eating the healthiest shit ever because totally. you're not eating for flavor anymore and that's what happens exactly. it's like do i eat healthy or do i just want to feel good because this tastes so good it's just like well if you can't taste Absolutely. shit might as well just eat salad and baked chicken every day 
that is that is exactly my logic if it happened. That's what I was telling Rachel. And she was like, I was like, well, why wouldn't you just eat as healthy as possible? She's like, eh, you know, because I hope they're coming back. You know, now in, her, <laughs> now in her case, in her case, she was always a day away. And she was right. After four days, she got it back. And what, what she did was she texted me because um, I wasn't around. Uh, and, and she said, my taste is back. And she had a text and she said, I, I taste a, dur- a Dorito. And, uh, and it was great to have that taste come back again. So it kind of came in at the strong places, and now it's pretty much back fully. Okay. But she gave that, if, if, uh, if you know, we're, we're definitely dating ourselves here. But she found a hilarious uh, gif, or jif, however you pronounce it, of Wayne from Wayne's World, where he has that product placement thing, and he eats the Dorito, and then he goes like... <laughs> and he looks dead at the camera and goes like, yeah, baby, you know, like that yeah, guy, yeah. Oops, other movie, but that's what he's implying. So anyway, uh, it's, it was hilarious to see that gift cause he is eating a Dorito. <laughs> that's what was so perfect about it. So nice. yeah, man, she's, she's got it back. It kind of, again, it came in with the strong stuff. Um, it, there, at, there was a time where all she could taste was ranch dressing and ketchup, <laughs> which was crazy. <laughs> We got like we got chicken somewhere, and she couldn't taste the chicken, but she could taste the ranch dressing and the ketchup that went on the chicken and the fries. Interesting. You know? So, anyways, okay. bonkers. Yeah, bonkers. But yeah, she's she's back and and pretty normal right now. Right on. So, but for me, yeah, it was it was a couple weird symptoms, man. It was like I've been fighting a headache all day today. Uh, the worst symptom I think was three or four days in. Uh, when I basically had phlegm in my chest and throat, and it was the sharpest, worst phlegm I've ever had. It felt like someone had actually like t- broken up a glass rod in my chest every time I tried to cough. It was sharp, and I was just like, "Oh, this is horrible, dude." You know, but again, that was about as bad as it got. And you know, you just try to avoid coughing at all costs. You know, but uh, I'm I'm feeling better. I'm you know, I, I never had a fever. Um, which is good, and uh, and now I'm just sort of trying to ride out these symptoms. From what I hear, I, they can hang with me for another three weeks or so. So Yeesh. hopefully they go away sooner rather than later. They're getting it's getting a little bit better every day and trending up. But uh, yeah, for now it's loggers until I want something else. Right on. Yeah, it, it's um, okay. So I'll just get what I'm having out of the way. I'm having the Golden Road Brewing. Mango cart, yeah, a classic, yeah, a oldie but goodie. Yeah. So we're both kind of on the oldie but goodie route right now. Something, uh, you know, you could find at your grocery store no matter where you are. So totally. yeah, that's that's a okay with me. Um, yeah, cheers, but yeah, Kona Big Wave is is excellent. One of my favorite lagers. Yeah, that's that's a great little um, twelve pack. You can get the little mixed twelve pack. You mm-hmm. know, um, it's funny too because in our our making comics uh, group chat there with Gary, uh, you were just yes. talking about. Uh, you know, course that this week, yeah, yeah, that's the one that aired. It, right? And um, Gary's like, it's so funny that you guys were just talking about that because I just bought a box of banquet. He goes, I had yeah. one. It was only okay because it was a little warm, right? And then he goes, same, same as yes, mine. exactly. Yeah. And then the next day. He just found himself drinking them and going through them. And his girlfriend was like, I thought you said they weren't very good. He goes, you know what? <laughs> it's just, they're, they're just like what he needed or something along those lines. So. Yeah, no, he, he, he had a great point. And his point was what he has in his fridge. And that's kind of how I am right now. What he has in his fridge are a lot of things that are 8% ABV and up. So if you drink that, 
you're kind of done. Like, you can't be productive. And uh, and that was his point. He's like, I can drink a Coors and I can be productive. I can do stuff. I can draw. I can whatever. So I, I, I do agree with that. You know, like, it's it's lighter and it's lesser. And uh, and you can just drink a beer and get on with your life. It's a good assessment. Um, you know, between you two and, you go, and Aubrey, it's like, okay, I feel like I should uh, grab a box, you know. And yeah. just just see what it's about and see if it's all right. Uh, my family has a habit of buying like uh, Coors Light or or uh, Bud Light uh, or Modelo's, mm. you know. And those are or Tecates. It's just like easy light drinking beers, uh, especially when yeah. we play because we play tons of drinking games. So it's just like mm. those are easy to pound. You can't pound an IPA, you know. No. If, if you're a monster, I no. guess you want to do that. But um, I got to say, though, this mango cart, man, it just hits the spot. It's just so delicious. It's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a reason that mango cart was the breakthrough beer that turned Golden Road from, like, a cool brewery in L.A. that had a huge tasting room to the definitive signature brewery of Los Angeles, which is what it is. Like, Golden Road is at Dodgers games. You know, and and that happened a couple of years ago, and yeah, so yeah, Golden Road is like the signature beer of Los Angeles at this point. I would say ours would be either Ballast Point or Stone. You know, we've we've had a lot of yeah. big. I mean, San Diego is a brew town, so but I think yeah. Ballast Point and Stone are like by far the biggest out of all of the ones that have come out this way. Agreed, agreed. I mean, Ballast Point has a tasting room at Disney, so I feel oh, no like shit. that. Yeah, there's there's a Ballast Point tasting room at Disney, whatever the the mall one is like not not the parks but the oh downtown disney is that okay. what it's called yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. i think it's downtown disney yep. so yeah man yeah about but i i totally agree i think those two are uh, are are the signature san diego brew places but uh, wow what a great beer town yeah too. man i digress i digress all right my dude so uh i'm hosting so you're up what was the most important thing you did this week yeah, I mean, in our in our texts, you talked about how you have a lot of stuff to talk about, and I sort of don't. So my first thing is going to go back to what I was just talking about, which is COVID. COVID really did dominate my activities for the week. And here's why. I only had a, so much energy in a day, creative energy to do stuff, because we all know how this works. Creative energy is the kind of energy you have on the margins, and if, if, if your margins get impacted, which is exactly what COVID did to me, it impacted the margins. Um, you just don't have that creative energy you had before. So for me, I am proud of the fact that I edited in my novel every single day. And that's about all I had time for. Because, you know, you do something and then you'd be like, I don't know, man, I'm kind of beat. I think I just want to sit. I didn't want to nap. I just wanted to sit. But the thing I did was read a ton of comics, a ton of them. So I was very happy because I'm not kidding. We must have we must be talking oh, a good solid 80 comics over the last Holy week, cow. something like that. Oh, a big number, dude. Yeah, I mean, I was I was knocking out a, you know, pretty much a dozen a day. That's what that is. And it was so great to do that. So great to catch up to get my collection, uh, my to be red pile down to like not even manageable, but at least not not insane. Terrible. <laughs> Not insane, yeah. And now, now I look at the to be red pile, and I'm like, oh, that's not too bad, because because a lot of the to be red pile that I have are like these huge chunks of books I got, like like I got a thirty dollar bin issues of the Tinny and Batman run. I'll get the I'll get to those when I get to those. You know what I mean? Like those aren't 
any kind of high desire for me to read. I'll read them someday. But then again, I might just throw them in the collection and dig them out one day too, yep. you know, but uh, so a lot, that's a lot of the to be read piles. So even though there's still a lot of books to be read, um, I'm going to take my sweet time with some of them. And, and the books that I really felt bad about not reading, I, I knocked out at least half of them. So yeah, man, it just feels nice and manageable. And on a related note, the other thing I did was I kind of had a to-be-listened pile of records that I had bought, although I don't buy nearly as many records as comics, and I'm done. Oh, wow. It's fantastic. I have I have zero to-be-listened records, and it's not like I ever had that many. It might be like two, three, something like that, but they just sit there because I'm never home. Well, I was home a lot more, and so I would just throw on records. There was there was actually one day where I read the most comics out of any day, and I listened to five jazz records just back to back to back to back to back, you know, and uh, it was it was great. It was great to use that ramp down time to ramp down. Of course, I did uh, write in the novel every day and edit in the novel. I also did some stuff like, might as well throw this all together, like I shipped the Three Protectors Kickstarters, packed and shipped all those. That's a great activity to do, yeah. and... Um, I also updated my website, I updated my web store, and updated my blog post, which are some things I've talked about a lot on this podcast about doing, but never did. So it was a great week to catch up on all those marginal things that you push to the side because you'd rather create. But when the creative energy just isn't all the way there, man, what a wonderful time to kind of do the Slack method, but do it with uh, some of the the more busybody or website or infrastructure things that you should be doing as part of your routine anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, you know, what's funny. I think this is kind of going to be a go with the flow style episode. I just have a feeling about it. So we might as well just talk about it now. So you said that you just started going through your, your books, your to be read pile and just throwing the Batman issues in, in the collection. And then one day pulling them out. I did that very same thing. Just not with, yeah, just not with Batman. I did it with Savage Dragon. Yeah. So something we've talked Mm. about on the pod, like in the, uh, bring in the bullshit section, I'm a Savage Dragon fan. I've been collecting the back issues, all the stuff that I've been missing. And I was, I got another issue in. There was an issue that came in, a brand new one that came in uh, in the last couple of weeks or so. And I put it in the pile. uh, And I'm like, one day I'm going to really start reading these things. And I was just like, hey, why not today? Why not today be the day that I start reading Savage Dragon again? The reason why I'm still collecting it is because I remember I stopped collecting it even though I still read it. Like, I still enjoyed every issue that I bought. Something my brain goes, yeah, but just stop buying it, though. And, and, and unfortunately, I've done <laughs> stuff like this in the past. Like, um, you and I were talking about, like, Thor number one, the first, I guess it's the yes. first appearance of Jane Foster, right? I had just got yeah. done reading the Jason Aaron run with uh, Asad Ribic, which I loved. And then that was this phenomenal. And, and that was the storyline yeah. that was following after. And I'm like, eh, I think I'm done. But it was, I loved yeah. it. So why did I stop? And I even looked through the Jane Foster Thor, and I was like, art's pretty good. It's not Asad Ribic, but it's, it's yeah. still pretty nice. But I didn't yeah, buy it like a yeah. fucking idiot. So, yeah. yeah, I do stuff like this sometimes. So, But now I'm paying for it because those issues that I'm mi- missing from Savage Dragon, they're quite expensive because, you know, in the early 2000s, comics were not being ordered in a large amount. Savage Dragon's, mm-hmm. the, the run in Savage Dragon, you're, you're talking about 3,000, a 3,000 print run for a famous comic yeah. book. It's, it's insane. So, like, yeah. if you want those issues, you're paying $20 an issue, essentially. Unless you're going to the places that Keith goes, and he finds them for me for, like, $5. And I'm like, yeah, buy those. 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. So um yeah. So I started reading them, and I'm like five or six issues. I just start. I picked a number. I was like, let me start at fifty. I think I stopped reading around. Like I was still buying them, but I stopped reading around fifty. And this is a guesstimate because that was the '90s when <laughs> when I stopped mm-hmm. reading, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'll start reading at 51," and I love it. I'm like, "This is great," and and just reading the books, you can really see the inspiration that Robert Kirkman took for Invincible. Robert Kirkman mm-hmm. talks about in interviews that he was a huge Image Comics fan. He was an Image Comics kid, huge Savage Dragon fan, loved Savage Dragon, and reading these issues now. I can really feel like the synergy between Savage Dragon and Invincible. There's a very there's a very strong Invincible vibe, but it originated with Savage Dragon. So it's so cool to see. The only difference is I think Invincible is just slightly more relatable because the areas in which Invincible delves, it's like, okay, he was a teenage kid going into his 20s who got these powers and he's dealing with his dad being an asshole. That's very relatable. Where Savage Dragon's mm-hmm. like, I have these super hot wives, I'm jacked as shit, and like all these you know, monsters are trying to kill me. So it's like a little right. less relatable, but the uh the hallmarks of those books, they're relatively the same. Like there is a lot of uh family and character driven parts of Savage Dragon, and that's a lot of what Invincible is. You get killer fight scenes in both books, but mm-hmm. you also get a lot of character development. You spend a lot of time with them in their home lives. And like for me, that's something like, yeah, that's the shit that I actually really loved about X-Men. The th- the two things I loved about X-Men is the cool fights with the powers. But I loved when the characters were just doing stuff and talking together, playing basketball, you know, and just like you know, bullshitting, you know, like I love that stuff with the X-Men because it's like, Hey, I do those things and they're doing them too. Yeah. <laughs> they like basketball. Like I do. Yeah, We're the exactly. same. <laughs> yeah. I hear you, man. I mean, what, what I find fascinating about Savage Dragon, because since I've been all around and I have looked for a lot of books for you and almost inevitably, you know, so the books that are in every shop may not be the issues you want. But the book that is in every shop is Savage Dragon. So that's where I find myself going first when it comes time to bust out Scott's list. Mm-hmm. And it's always the first on my list that I send you. You're like, send me the updated list. Savage Dragon is always first. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But like, what's fascinating about Savage Dragon is it, like, it is, it is so long running to your point. The f- you know, usually, usually the first 20 issues of something are the rare ones. Like Sandman, which I just cleaned the run on, goes like you think it would go. One is is quite expensive. Two is inexpensive by one standards. You know, the peak issues are one, four, and eight. But two, three, five, six, and seven are no joke. And then you might have your little spikes up and down, but overall it trends down. And by the time you get to about issue 30, yeah, five bucks. You know, that kind of thing. Savage Dragon works in reverse because the print runs when it first came out were in the bubble. And so, you know, Savage Dragon 1 had anywhere from 700,000 to a million copies Correct. printed of it. I think, I think it hit a million. Um, yeah. Yeah, I believe it hit a million. So, I mean, and every one of those books is like that. Wildcats and Spawn and all these things, right? You want to, I mean, if you're collecting Spawn, find issue 235. That's going to be a better one to get than issues one through nine. Not that one through nine are a great price because people always bump prices up. 
because it's number one or whatever, but I just find that so fascinating that Savage Dragon just has this weird inversion to it that it's been running so long and it started at at a comics boom, at a comics speculator bubble and then made its way to like an ongoing title where it's kind of like why Star Wars figures became uh, valuable or why other things became valuable because guess what, Scott? Everybody else stopped collecting the same time you did. That's why they're all valuable now. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how this works, right? Like, the, you know, whenever anybody says like, oh, why didn't I keep my Star Wars figures? They're worth a lot. Yeah, they're worth a lot because nobody kept them. <laughs> they're worth a lot because every single one of us said, ah, that's fine. Get rid of it. You know, that kind of thing, right? So it is. It's pretty fascinating. It's pretty fascinating. And uh, and to quote, uh, c- can I just do my Jay Billis thing real quick? What I forgot about Jay Billis's famous wingspan, wingspan, wingspan line is right after it, he says, I said that three times, America. <laughs> <laughs> that, that cracks me up so much. So, yes, I said Star Wars at least twice there. Drink up. <laughs> Drink up, America. Drink up, America. And the world. Who are we kidding? <laughs> yeah. Remember, we're, we're, we're global now. That's right. Um, okay, so my first thing. You know, so you pretty much tackled all of your stuff in one, it sounded like, yeah? I've got a second one to talk okay, about. Okay, cool. All right, so number one with a bullet on my list, and it basically has to go in order because it is all revolving around Wanderers for the most part. I finished the Zipatones. So... Oh. Speaking of wingspan. Yeah, yeah, man. So I finished the Zipatones. Thank goodness. I finished, um, I want to say, four four days before the end of the Kickstarter. So that was kind of the goal, was to try to get it four to five days before the end so I can actually start working on the script. So just like we've talked about before with uh, Second Shift 12, we kind of did this a little Marvel, Marvel methody in a bit, in, in, a, in, a, in a way. Um, so Ed basically gave me the skeleton of the story. Um, he laid out like the panels. He goes, okay, this happens in this panel. This Like no dialogue, just like actions. And um, so I had that to go off of and knocked it out. But usually with Wanderers, I do the writing. It's like, Ed, this is kind of how it goes. Like, Ed started helping me really the second half second half of issue one, issue two, and then now issue three. So, like, the first half of Wanderers 1, there were two short stories in the Accidental Alien Anthology. They're short stories. I can handle short stories. I really don't need help with short stories. But to move the story forward and add, like, you know, details that I wouldn't think about, um, I need a pro writer for that. And, and that is not me. So mm-hmm. when Ed started helping me out, I was like, look, I want to make sure these characters are in my voice. Um, I, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a personal story to me in a way, because the main two characters, they're essentially it's avatars of me and my goddaughter. So and it's like, well, I knew how I wanted them to sound. They're not going to sound exactly like us, obviously, because this is a comic book. And um, so I was like, I, I kind of wanted to tackle that duty. Um after seeing what I had to do in issue three, I was like, nope, I'm going to have, I'm going to enlist Ed in this because I think issue 12 of second shift went so well with him writing a script, me writing a script, and then him making an amalgam of both of those scripts. It came out so well that I was like, let's just do it. Let's run it back because it just works so, so well. And, um, so we did it. Uh, He started sending me scripts and I'm like, you know what? Um, I finished the Zipatones, and I know what these characters are saying, but I kind of am not in the right mind space to really delve into the writing. Like, reading back to Wanderers 2, I'm like, this is pretty strong. Like, I actually really like the writing in Wanderers 2, 
And that was my writing. And I'm like, well, fucking look at you, you know? And, and, mm-hmm. and so I was pretty proud of that. But going through issue three, it wasn't there the same way. I could tell because I was, I am so swamped with everything that I have to do that I'm like, I need help with this. Like, I can't do this on mm-hmm. my own. So um, same thing happened. Ed wrote a script. I wrote a script. And then we married them together. Um, and what was cool is I don't have the name of the program. It's a Google feature that Ed uses. He usually will send me a link to his his Google Drive or whatever it is. And so he can type out on it. And if I have that f- same file open, I can see him typing. Okay, yeah, it's yeah. super cool. because, And I only mm-hmm. found this out because he had sent me the link. And as I was... Uh, going through, I was just like, okay, this is pretty good. This is pretty good. This needs some adjustments. Um, I was going down the page and I see a cursor pop up in purple and it said, mm-hmm. it had Ed, it said Ed Brown. And I'm like, what is this? And then he wrote, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. So we got a good laugh out of that. And, uh, you know, we started talking about it and he goes, yeah, this is actually how me and uh, uh, he edits someone else's books. And he goes, yeah, me and me and this guy, this is actually how we work. It's kind of like live collab. And uh, mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, this is pretty awesome. Like, I really enjoy doing this. So, um, yeah, I, I've actually kind of delve into an, like one of my other things, which was writing the script. So um, I guess I should talk about that since I'm already on it. Uh, as soon as I finished the Zipatones, I started writing that script, sent it to Ed. I, I buckled down and I did it in a whole day. I was like, okay, start to finish. I need to get this done. Now that the zip, it was like the very next day, right after the Zipatones were done. It's like, no, no, you got to do this because we're in a time crunch. And so I mm-hmm. sent it to Ed, and then the next day he started writing the script again. So um, it was it was great. It was great doing it that way. We fi- we finished it up. Um, I think that day or the day after. And um, since then, I started doing lettering. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. All right, yeah. So. My second thing is, it's more of a reflective thing, but I do, the more I was thinking about it, the more I'm like, ah, this might help help somebody. So I'm going to mention. Okay, so I want to revisit animals a little bit. And here's what I want to talk about. The process of animals, this will be a refresher to some, was that I had an artist do about the first six or seven of ten chapters. And then move on to something else. So that's trouble. Because I don't have all ten chapters. I only have six or seven. So then what the next move was going to be is. We're going to keep what we can of these chapters. And then I'm going to salvage what I can. And then I'm going to sort of try to do the backgrounds on my own. Hire another artist to sort of fill in and go from there. Right? So uh, flashing back to, you know, whenever it was, a month and a half ago, when Mike gave me his notes on the script back, he was like, you know, the first five chapters are good or something like that. He had a couple pages where it's like, I'm not sure what we're doing here. And I was like, I'll just cut that page, that kind of thing. But then once we start to get into about chapter six, it gets dicey. And some of that is because of the art that was there. And some of it is because the work I did to try to make the art that I had work, kind of cut and pasted and, and... stand it up a little bit so that standing up didn't work and one of the reasons it didn't work which was really interesting in mike's notes is that the action on the page did not support the most interesting action that was happening in the words 
So there was a disconnect between the words and the actions on the page. So there was one note he said, he was like, wait a minute, are you saying that X happens on this page and we're not seeing it? Because that doesn't make any sense. If you have something that cool happening, that has to be the thing that we're drawing, you know? So I was like, fair enough. And, and the reason I'm bringing, so, you know, just to flash forward for animals, what that ended up being is that we're basically going to release animals in two parts, two issues. It's going to be a 30 plus uh, page issue. And that's going to be the whole story. Just one of two, two of two. Issue one is going to be a lot of the existing art that we're repurposing and that I'm just punching up the dialogue for, but the art is good as is. Part two is going to have a brand new artist. And I'm in talks with somebody right now to have that happen. And then that person will be able to illustrate the revised script with clarity, right? Because it'll be speaking to the action that is there and I will script out that action. But the interesting thing to think about here is that I didn't realize what I was doing. You know, like I didn't realize the thing that Mike pointed out. And, you know, if you're drawing a comic, then the odds of this happening exist. And therefore, it's helpful to mention, which is make sure that you're drawing the most interesting visual thing. You know, we've we've had that come up a lot. You know, I think Aubrey, obviously, uh, like Aubrey Sitterson went to that hill and defends it for like writing around visuals. You know, um, visuals, he write, he likes writing about around visuals so much that it's almost like visuals uberalis, right? And I do believe comics are a visual medium and visuals are important above everything. But I mean, I think there's a certain degree of subservience to visuals that you may not want to take, in my opinion, right? But that's me. Again, we all get to, hey, it's me and I get to make comics in, in terms of my aesthetic, you know? But what is interesting is this idea of making sure that you were drawing the most visually interesting thing. Now, the only reason I wasn't drawing the most visually interesting thing or, or I wasn't illustrating the most visually interesting thing is it was it was art that already existed full of reference photos. So, I mean, it happened to be, you know, like the person's artistic style was based on references. So they would do some things and then use references and go from there. Well, when that ran out and then when I changed the script and had more interesting things happen, I didn't have the art to back it up. So I sort of changed it without realizing it. So that's the crux of that example. And I'm only bringing it up as, an, as a kind of instructive thing that may help somebody out there to just make sure that the visuals that you have on the page are the strongest visual thing that you can possibly do on that page given the things that happen in the time that that page occurs, if that makes sense. Yeah, and also for, it's. I mean, it's a good lesson too for artists that are listening. If you're using reference, don't, don't let it be a crutch. And I don't know, this page, like this situation, it's not an exact one-to-one because I don't know, you, you said you changed the text afterwards, right? After, like you sent him something yeah, originally? I mean, okay, so yeah. the... Um, it's not a one to one in this exact situation, but if you're if you're reading a script and there's something crazy, you're you might not be able to photo reference that. You might not be able to get a model, put yourself in that position to do it. Maybe you can, maybe you can't. But you're going to have to learn how to draw certain things just based out of your mind. But you can also use, you know, you can use reference to get yourself there most of the way. But if it's like a guy's head exploding or something, you're gonna need to figure out how to do that in a different way. Like, what can I look at 
as an example. I would say, for this particular example, Google watermelon exploding. And you can get a good idea as to where the uh, brain matter and blood splatter would shoot. You can use that watermelon exploding as a reference, um, but there's there's tricks around stuff like that. You know, like that's that's a good example of doing something that if you need photo reference, there's stuff that can help. If you want something to look a little more realistic, you know, try something like that. Just uh, think outside of the box and uh, hopefully you'll get there. Okay, so uh, for my second thing, um, I kind of jumped jumped around a little bit, which I was trying not to do. I was writing this list of things that I've done this week, and I managed to talk about three of them. So um, uh, I'll switch over to freelance. So I had a couple of freelance things that I had on the back burner. One of my clients had been asking for something, some adjustments on some toys that I had done. And it took me a while only because I was so focused on getting the Wanderers uh, pages done that I just kept putting on the back burner, and luckily it was okay. So... Apparently, he has a backlog of figures that I've drawn for him, and I didn't know that. I thought they were coming, like, I was drawing them for him, he was getting them made right away. But apparently, he ha it's like a process. He has to do the boxes first, because the boxes take, you know, uh, a nice amount of time. But he can't do the boxes without the art, so he commissions me to draw these these figures so he can get the boxes done. And then he sends them to the toy company and they make their 3D rendering and uh, all of that jazz. So I guess they were having some issues with a couple of the poses that he had me put these figures in. And so he needed adjustments on them. A month had passed, he ended up messaging me again about it, and I finally got those done. So um, didn't take too long, it took a couple hours of time. And uh, so those are, they're done for the most part. There's a tricky thing. A guy has a stick. It has to be a certain position. So um, he's trying to explain it to me and I just wasn't getting it. So it's something that we have to revisit. But as far as one of the designs go, it was completely finished. And, and so that was nice. It was like, okay, let's knock these out, get them off of my plate so I can get back to making comic books. Nice, dude. That's very cool. Um... Did you have anything else? Is that it yes, for your... Yes, I do. Go for it, man. Okay. All right. So one of those one of those things that we've talked about here, it's not the fun part of the process. It's, it's the stuff that you have to do in order for your Kickstarters to be successful. It's all of the social media stuff. So there's a mad dash for the end of the Kickstarter. I'm on my last... As of this recording, I think there's like 15 hours left on my Kickstarter. It's going to be done at um, mm. 12 tomorrow. But there's a bunch of posts that you have to do um just contacting like uh the accidental aliens we have a mailing list so i have to send something out to the mailing list i go through all my old kickstarters and say hey just so you guys know there's this much time left so it's kind of it's a little pestery you kind of got to bother people with it but hey you're in the home run stretch you gotta you gotta run so um mm -hmm. yeah so that's all a lot of what i've been doing beyond doing the work it's like between the lettering and all this other stuff. It's like, okay, well, make sure you post. And um, it's kind of tough because when we're doing all of this comic book stuff, this one thing I don't think that we talk about enough when we're doing the comic book stuff is all of the other things. I think Keith does a better job about talking about it during the podcast. But like, hey, I have a girlfriend. We have three dogs. You know, it's just like there's other things that I have to do. I have a giant family. So a lot of stuff comes up in between. So it's just been kind of like 
every second of every day, it's accountable for something. It's like, well, you, hey, you make sure you got to go do this and do that and do this. And um, I had one of those days today where I think I was a, getting a little burnt out. I was like, I've been going pretty hot and heavy on, on the Kickstarter and all these other activities that I have to do for for over a month now. And it finally hit me today where you're like talking about COVID and how you're just like, I didn't want to take a nap, but I just couldn't do anything. I had one of those days today. I don't have COVID, but I definitely had one of those days today. And um, I was doing the lettering and I'm up to page four, by the way, I finished four pages of lettering. So I'm pretty proud of myself. Um, but I looked at my page today. I looked at page four and I got the script, copied the script into the illustrator program. I pasted it on the side like I normally do center justified all the text made my diamond patterns out of my my uh my text there for each word bubble um threw word bubbles over the top of them and i was like i don't want to do this and i just stopped hmm. i was like yeah. i'm not in the mood i cannot do this this is one of those one of those times where i cannot push through and i took a nap yeah, yeah. and i needed a nap so I, I passed out for like an hour or so got up fed the dogs then walk the dogs. Girlfriend came home, and then I felt like working again. So, yeah. so sometimes yeah. you just need those power down moments. You know, you just gotta let yourself accept it. No, you need a break. You've been doing this for too long, and just take a rest. And so today was one of those days, and I was I was pretty happy that I did it. Um, okay, so a couple more things before we get into the main topic. Like I said, I got tons of stuff that I've done this week, and you know what, guys. This is a free podcast, so you're going to hear about it. So, <laughs> uh, one of the things that I have to do for Wanderers. So I'm primarily working on my iPad. And even though when I'm doing the um, the cell shading on the characters, I do slide the color scale all the way to the left, you know, to the gray side of the board. Once in a blue moon, that, that doesn't get slid over all the way for whatever reason. I, I feel like I'm doing it every time. Sometimes it doesn't. So one thing I have to do before I send these pages out into to my printer, I have to make sure that they are converted to grayscale. So I grayscaled the entire issue uh, before I started lettering because I didn't want to have any issues. And um, then I started my lettering process. So like I said, I'm up to page four and uh, yeah, it's, we're keeping it moving. So um, that's that. And then the last thing that I did, I started working on the making comics tier, uh, the interior page. So I did the cover for uh, Kadoja, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, volume four, number one, Symphony of Madness. I did the, yeah. the cover for it, but also part of that tier was an interior page with a running gag for a couple of episodes. What was up? What episode was it, Keith? I 64? believe it was 67 and 68. 67 and right. So we had a little yeah. bit of a running gag there. So if you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to those episodes. And they're right there waiting for you. They're waiting. Just, just like a, like, like a, just like Richard Marx <laughs> or a bridge. Um, <laughs> so I started working on that page and it's really fun. And I was, I meant to send it to you before this podcast so you can riff off of it a little bit, but it's pretty fun. Uh, I drew the bridge. I drew the background scenery for two out of the three panels. And, yeah. uh, I'm just working on Kadoja. And I am working on a couple of characters who are talking. Oh, so, right so yeah. So the main things that I need to do um, are the easiest things. 
So it's just the characters Mm -hmm. having their conversation and just kind of finalizing, you know, Kadoja, how Kadoja is going to be in that, that middle panel there. But where you went for, as you talked about on the last episode, you're like, you know, I was going to have a static image um, and just kind of like have it repeating or whatever. And you're like, visually, Mm -hmm. that's not interesting for me. I, I chose the former. I chose to keep it yeah. uh, one shot and just changing per. The interesting part of that is, as I was laying it out, I was like, oh, it's the same shot, but each panel is vastly different. Like, yeah. so so you'll, you'll it. see it. So yeah. it's a different approach and I really enjoy it. Um, and I'll send it your way after this podcast. And so the yeah. hard parts are already done, drawing the backgrounds, a pain in the ass, but those parts are finished. You know, I were awesome. I was up late one night, and I'm like, "Fuck it, I'm just stay up, and I'm just gonna knock this out." And uh, yeah, so man. that part's done, and so now just draw the characters, and once that's done, I'm sending it your way. I hear you, man. Hey, look, I was up late one night too, and I was like, "Why is my chest filled with broken glass?" <laughs> uh, did you get my strip, by the way? I did send it to you. I never. You did, never yeah. I, I enjoyed it. Okay. It was fun. Did you did you do that based off of like models or something? Because those are pretty solid uh, drawings. If you didn't. Yeah, it's 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 a model. Okay. It's a model. Okay. Yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, look, I'm not here to pretend I'm an artist. It's a model and a treatment, and then I just fucked with it a little. Oh bit yeah, and that was that. That it's it's what I wanted because sometimes you just have to go for the look you want. Be damned, you know. And it's a fun strip. Again, I'm not. That's not the point of buying this comic. That's fucking it's a fun throwaway thing. Yeah, it's a bonus. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah, that's cool, man. Well, cool. I'm I'm really excited, and I'm looking forward to seeing it. Right on, man. Okay, so the main topic for this episode is, what's your comic about? You know, this is something that you proposed to me a couple weeks back. We got it. We got to give credit. We got to give credit. This is Tim Radecki, right? Like this is Tim Radecki actually sent this as a perspective conversation topic, and we didn't get to it. You know what I mean? Mm. So. So yeah, Tim. Shouts to oh, you. Oh, shout if out to Tim. I didn't know that you were the one that came up with this. So yeah, t- Tim was the one who came up with this. So um, so oh, and and you know what? That may have changed whether you wanted to do it or not. But you know what, Tim? We're friends. I think you'd be okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what your comic is really about? And you had proposed that idea, and I I told you right away. You had given me uh, three options, and yeah. I was like. That one we don't need anyone here for. This this that's something that we could talk about for a full episode. And right. It's interesting, you know, you would think just based off the title, you know, oh okay, well I'll give you a synopsis, you know, it's just like, oh, minimum wage superheroes. That's that's second shift. You know. Yeah. But that's not really what my comics about. No. It isn't. So it and and Wanderers, the sales pitch for that is anthropomorphic dinosaurs versus humans. That's not what the book's about. Mm-hmm. Wanderers is about a relationship between an uncle and his niece. That's what Wanderers is really about. So even though fighting dinosaurs or hanging out with dinosaurs is super fun and interesting, the real purpose of the story, the heart of the story, is the relationship between those two characters. That's mm-hmm. that's what Wanderers is about. So second shift it's really about the bond of those four characters that's what it's really about it's it focuses a lot on the brother and sister dynamic of you know switch and spree you know eddie and sarah it's just like that's a a lot of the personal moments of the story is who those characters are as people their relationships to each other 
And mm-hmm. and so that's what your book your book isn't necessarily your sales pitch. It, you have to look at the core of your book, what you're trying to get across, and the most I don't know, like for me it's the most thoughtful part of your book. Like like for my mm-hmm. books personally, that's what I feel like those books are really about. Right. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. I mean, again, the context of the question was basically when you start to think of it that way, it makes you realize that like you said, Scott, your your plot of the story is the thing that you are pitching. But it's not the heart of the book. You know, the heart of the book is is the thing you're trying to say. Now, the problem is, in my case, what is Kadoja about? Well, it's really about giant monsters in an H.P. Lovecraft universe. That's, that's <laughs> kind of what it's about, you know. But, uh, but you know, like, I, I, I will say that my I, – I have given this version before. I believe I I may have not given this story on the podcast before, but for me, when it comes to creating popular culture stuff for these two comics, I should say for Kadoja and for three protectors. Okay. The, the idea that, that I'm sort of going for there is a whole lot of entertainment with a germ of something else. And the example I give is I think the first hell Hellboy movie where it's an entertaining story it's an entertaining movie and yet there's a line in it that i love and the line is um we love people for well, no, we like people for their strengths and we love them for their flaws that's a line that hellboy's love interest says to him in the first movie and so for me i've always held that up as like that's what i want i want this thing that's on the whole entertaining but just throws a couple things out there that can make you think so i'm not sure if if that makes it what my comic is really about, you know, like what is a theme in my comic? Well, I mean, a big theme in Kadoja. One of the themes I play with is the idea that we're the worst evil of all. The people are the worst evil of all, right? But the problem is that's not the fucking theme. That's not what my comic's about. You can't write an H.P. Lovecraft story about cosmic horror and have people be the real problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's antithetical to what you're going for there. So I like that as an idea. It's kind of like the movie Dogma, I think they say, right? Like, I'm not telling you to do anything, just have ideas. So for me, I like having a few different things that the comic may or may not be about or that the story may not be about. Because for me, I don't think about it more that there's one thing, but there's a few smaller things. You know, what is what is Kadoja about? Kadoja is about, you know, General Cruz's redemption, Right. Kadoja is about Yancey's ascension from someone who cannot handle herself in the first arc to someone who is in complete command by the end of the third arc. You know, it's 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 those things that I like. So and maybe maybe that is the answer. Maybe the answer to what your comic is really about is is the fact that it doesn't have to be one thing. It can be a few. things, Absolutely. And. And that you can go from there. So, I mean, I guess in that case, yeah, there is a there is a real answer there. That there are these things that the story is really about. And those can be something as broad as a theme. You know, the dreaded theme that people always talk about. What's the theme of your story? You know, like, butts, 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 butts. <laughs> That's my theme. You know, um, so it's kind of like theme is one thing, but character arcs are another. And those are ways to make this, you know what you want the story to be about 
stick if that makes sense yeah absolutely and yeah it, it's it's not a uh, I, I don't think that it applies to every story you know it's not every story no, three three protectors three protectors the theme is kung fu badassery right you know and and the thing is hey plug time for those of you that backed the master tier you will get the ash can and the ash can will show you that this was intended to have some different themes there so I can't wait for people to get that or for them to crack open the ash can and see the kind of, you know, look, either it depends on the perspective. You can either think it's well thought out and cerebral or you can think it's overwrought and confusing, (laughs) but it's not in the story anymore. So it doesn't really matter. But like there was more there and it got cut in the interest of just being fun and in the interest of clarity, because by introducing that it made it made the rest of the story kind of distilled and nonsensical on some level. So, but what that means is the thing that remained of Three Protectors was basically just good old-fashioned, old-school kung fu badassery, right? I mean, when when your, when your uh, North Stars are the movie Riccio and the movie um, Five Deadly Venoms, you're not really going for a whole lot of theme there, right? <laughs> you're not yeah. going for a whole lot of what your movie, what your what your comic is about. You you just want fun, crazy ass whipping, right? You know? Yeah. So anyway, but I, I, it it is interesting to think about, and and what I think you might find, what I found just in terms of that little thought experiment or or talking it out, is that there was more there than I'd initially thought, despite my initial response. Right. Well, I mean, you're you're someone who said that you have issue with, like. Uh, characterization like that's the thing you're, you're least strong at and so i feel like ed is very strong at characterization like the the way he got the got the job quote unquote was i gave him who the characters were as people their hopes desires dreams and i said have them talking in a restaurant you you have nothing but characterization there and the fact that he mm-hmm. was able to nail it you know based off of just a quick synopsis of each character uh, you know, was really impressive to me. And that is really the heart of of what the second shift is. And honestly, that was, you know, before you had mentioned, I've never really even thought about it. If someone, you know, was just like, oh, okay, what's your story about? I would have just given them the sales pitch, the elevator pitch, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah. when you said it, like, I don't know, whatever reason just made me think about it a little bit differently. And I'm like, no, this is what it's really about. And this is what it's always mm-hmm. really been about. And honestly, watching stuff like uh, watching stuff on like Disney Plus, watching a lot of the Pixar related stuff where they're talking about uh, creating movies and, and, you know, how they create their movies. It makes you think a little bit about the process and they kind of glom on to one thing. And they really focus on it. And they, and that's how they get you to care about the character. They, you know, and like, okay, what's going on with this character? What's the goal of this character? Yeah, I think about the process too. Specifically, I think of why the fuck did we not just draft Jason Tatum instead of drafting Markel Fultz and trading away a draft pick for it? I think about that when we drafted Lonzo Ball instead of dra- drafting Jason Tatum. It was foolish, <laughs> foolish behavior. Good times. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. And now both of our teams are bad. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> See it. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. We're, um, we're not doing anything. I don't, 
everyone's just no no that's not true you are doing something you're signing russell westbrook to the gdp of a small country for Good another Lord. year because he opted in yeah yeah we got a couple of we anyway. lost malik monk who was like our only bright spot of last season we lost him to the kings um yeah, when, i saw what that. makes me feel only okay about that like what makes me not hate that situation is we did offer him the mid-level exception that's all we had to offer yeah. Um yeah. and he turned it down. So it's just like okay, we at least we offered that because we lost uh, Alex Caruso because of penny yeah. pinching. We lost yeah. him because of penny pinching. We could have kept him, but we didn't want to pay yeah. him, so we lost him and it was stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Quick thing. I love Lonnie Walker the 4th. A big fan. Do you think he is better than Malik Monk? He's a more all-around player. Okay. And I think he still and I think he still has ceiling and I think he's also pretty tall. He's like 6'5 or 6'6 six, six, and Malik Monk is not. Right. You and know, so, Malik is like yeah, 6'1 or something. I'm a I am a I am a Lonnie Walker the 4th bandwagon. Okay. Okay. Member. Yeah. I was reading some comments and it didn't seem like it was that cuz a lot of people are like he's Malik Monk was better than him. Malik Monk is better. Malik and, and like I was just like, oh, that's a running theme. And then uh, someone had mentioned defense, and someone's like, he's trash on defense. He's not very good. And I'm like, oh man. I was like, so he's. It, he, I was watching some highlights. He looks he looks taller than Malik Monk for sure, and he yeah. looks more athletic. Um, so yeah. I'm hoping that can translate into them turning him into a defensive player. If, if he, I think, I think he has a ton of upside if he can figure out the right person to unlock that, and we'll see if the Lakers are that right person, you know. But anyway, Let's hope. hey, we didn't get, we didn't get to bullshit yet. We're still talking about what our stories really. Yeah, about. I was like, but that's how did so, we get into so surprise, this? <laughs> surprise twist. The story is really about Lonnie Walker the fourth. That's right, and his crazy hair. Did he cut that hair? That's what it was about. I don't think he did. Oh, I man. think he did for a while. He did for a while with the Spurs. Then he grew it, it back like out. Really yeah, I think he did. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I think he did. Anyway, right. did you have anything else you wanted to talk about before we officially get into bringing the bullshit, or did we sort of do it already? I mean, I guess that's it for the most part of it, but I, I, all right, guys. When you're thinking about your story, I'm assuming you haven't started your story yet. This is something that you need to think about. What is your story really about? And that's something you need to focus on. You can have your character doing whatever they're doing have crazy powers, you know, like they're going through all this turmoil and stuff. But the main focus of it is what is that character's goal and what is your book about? Your book should be about your character trying to achieve this goal. And try to center your story around that. It's cool to have crazy shit go on the whole time, but I think having that personal touch, having that connectiveness to that character is very important to your story. That's just my personal it, opinion. Um, so go forth, create your books, and make sure you're focusing on that aspect of it. Yeah, I mean, my final two cents on it, and I mean two, are number one, this kind of thinking doesn't have to be, and in most cases, it is not. It is not the thing that you go into a book with. You don't say, you know what, I'm going to write a book about a, a team dynamic of some minimum wage superheroes. It happens that way. It comes about that way. Now, maybe for... I get the feeling for Wanderers and Melisanda, that's exactly what you wanted. That's the thing you started with. You had this two, two people's relationship um, as they kind of went through a strange world. But that doesn't mean it has to be the first thing you think of. It can be a thing that evolves. That's thing number one. And thing number two is, when you get this kind of thinking going, 
what it's going to do is give your book an emotional core. And in many ways, that's the most important thing. Absolutely. Because if a book doesn't have an emotional core, nobody fucking cares. And so, again, it it's going to evolve. It's going to take time. Maybe you've thought about it and you want that thing your book's really about to be the thing that you start going, you know, that you go into the whole process with. But anyway, I guess it, it can come about a lot of ways and it's only going to make your book better. And look, there you can have a book without an emotional core. There are books out there that have done well with it. But in general, books have to have an emotional core or the books that last, the stories that last, the stories that people relate to that are, you know, the best stories and even good stories. They have that core. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, like he said, it's not something like, look, if you're already into your book, you're already doing your book, just analyze your book. Like, like Keith just did live on the podcast. He goes, hey, mine really doesn't have one. But then he started talking about, well, General Cruz's storyline and then Yancey. Oh, never mind. I was wrong. I actually do have that. That is in there. So you, you could be doing it right now without even realizing you're doing it. But once you do realize it, I feel like it's worth exploring. It's worth delving into and seeing what else you can pull out of that. Yep, exactly. What, what unlocked my novel was exploring this exact kind of thing of like, but what's it about? You know, like I can tell you the pitch in three lines and it's, and I think you're going to like it, but that's not what the book's about. And uh, in the novel, it's much more pronounced than what I was talking about with the books. Anyway, game, set, match. Right on, man. All right, my dude. Well, that'll do it for the main topic. We're going to go into bringing in the bullshit, even though this episode is kind of, we have brought in the bullshit throughout. So I don't know. Deal with it. I don't know. It's, it's it's already started to happen, but we'll deal with it more. Dude, it's bonus It's bonus time. We're here in an hour, and we still got shit to do, because guess what, Scott? We're not getting to bring in the bullshit yet. You want to know why? Why is that? Because I got two pet peeves. Uh-oh. Now, they are real-world pet peeves, and yet both of them do have to do with being a creator, okay? They have to do with the promotional side. So allow me to talk about my two pet peeves, Okay. Number one, grammar, party people. Grammar, spelling, it matters, okay? And there are two bits of grammar and spelling that I have seen more and more. Well, one of them has been here forever, and the other one is more recent and needs to be stopped, okay? The more recent one is the fact that if you want to use the phrase sneak peek, the word is spelled P. E E K. It is not P E A K. That does not make any sense, okay? A, a, a P E A K is the top of a mountain, okay? What are you sneaking about the top of a mountain, right? Sneak peek is P E E K. And that means that you are giving people a glimpse, a peek, because that's what the word means, into something that you're about to do. So, like, and, and look, I'm not saying a single person on this that listens to this right now is making this mistake. But what I'm, I'm doing right now is I am deputizing you. I'm deputizing you to reach out to your friends, your loved ones. And when you see this, that you stop it in their tracks. The beauty of Instagram posts, I don't know how Twitter works because I don't really use it, but Instagram posts can always be edited. So if you see a friend or a loved one or even just a stranger you care about, making this misstep fix it for them and tell them they can edit their post okay that's thing number one that's thing number one okay and and look i am i i will say i'm a little bit of a spelling like 
like stickler. I, I can't remember if I've ever said this on the air, but my one thing about my kids is when I when I tell them to text me, I don't want any words shortened, okay? You is spelled Y-O-U. It is not spelled you. <laughs> right? Same thing with all that shit. Okay, so yes, I know that's my thing. I don't care. The other thing, okay, and this on, one has on, been on. going on. So yeah, I'm, sure. I'm a little bit like that too. When I text people, I text people in proper English and proper yes. punctuation. There's always yes. a period, an exclamation mark, a comma. You know, like it's all in there. Semicolon, yeah. even in there once in a while. The the yeah. dreaded semicolon. So now now that I know I'm I'm lacking in semicolons, all of a sudden my texts now have more semicolons because I understand how to use them more. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like Keith, you're so using right way too many you. semicolons. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, so no, not I'm, enough. I'm with I wasn't you. Using enough. I'm yeah. I'm with you. I do the same thing, and um, you know, I always made sure when I was texting my goddaughter, I would use proper spelling, so she would just get in the habit of seeing proper spelling and not do shorthand. Unfortunately, she's a teenager, so she does shorthand. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. So that was my first one of these two things. I want to talk about the next one right now. Okay, I'm going to say the word. Because there's three different ways to spell it, and those three different ways have three different Two, two, and two? No. Actually, it's there, there, and there. They are. Okay? They are. They, they, T-H-E-Y apostrophe R-E is they are. It, so when you're saying they are, what you are not doing is spelling it T-H-E-I-R. Okay, that is a possessive. It's referring to someone's thing. Their food, their backpack, their comic. Exactly, exactly. And the other thing, which I don't see as much mistaken for, is there, T-H-E-R-E, which means a place over there, generally, okay? So, like, this one has just gone off the rails. <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe how, how often this, is, is, this mistake is made. So, it's, it's confusing, T-H-E apostrophe R-E with T-H-E-I-R. And that is the end of my grammar thing, but like, please help people spread the word and let's let's wipe out bad posting and bad grammar That's together. Right. Hey, while okay. we're on it, yeah, let's do two, two, and two. Two, T-O, that's I'm going to the store. T-O-O, that means as well. So just remember that. Yeah. T-O-O, yes, as exactly. well. Yes. <laughs> Totally. And the mnemonic device is don't fuck it up. That's the mnemonic <laughs> device. Did you like it? <laughs> it's pretty solid. And yeah, of course, the third is. one is TWO. And that's, you know, yeah. the number. So you guys know that, though. Yeah. But I mean, if you're saying I'm going to the store and you're spelling that TWO, then I just feel like you have greater problems. You know? <laughs> <laughs> OK, anyway, uh, I did. I did completely drink a Coors Light while we were or sorry, a, a banquet while we were talking. I went downstairs and I finished that. So that's that's why I got a little more uh, zazz <laughs> to use a uh, death clock metalocalypse as a term. OK, the second quick pet peeve before we get to some bullshit. Oh, it wasn't the is, spelling. No, no, that, that that was just one. Oh, that was okay. just one. It was two things. It was one A and one, uh, one A one and A two. The second thing is that, and this is a bad epidemic on Instagram right now. I am getting really tired of. So let's say you want to do a post, and you do a post, and fucking eight minutes in, you get a comment, and that comment is. DM it on yeah 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 DM it on the writer's thing you know and you're and and like the first time I did this I'm like 
okay, promote it on, you know, whatever the Writers Guild is. So then you look up the Writers Guild. 62 followers. And it's like, what the fuck are you people doing? You know what I mean? Like, it is it is a terrible kind of spam right now. Yeah. It is like graffiti on the walls of the Instagram neighborhood. Like, what I would recommend to all you creators out there, and I know there's a lot of you listening to this podcast. If you're not doing it already, you delete that thing as soon as you can. Because what you don't want is for people to check on your post and see that you're letting that bullshit stand. I have, I have no idea how this got so far gone, but there are so many of these low follower accounts that just come in and spam your damn posts as comments and and do it so they can boost their own brand which probably isn't even as good as yours <laughs> you know so i don't i don't know how we got here but it is horrible yeah it's just yeah. some bot like i don't know some algorithm you could put in and and if you hashtag it with a certain thing you're going to get that bot onto your page and yeah man exactly. it, it sucks like i hate those things but yeah, for that reason alone, I do not do hashtag Kickstarter on anything anymore. I never do hashtag Kickstarter on any of my posts during a Kickstarter because that is just asking these dumb bots of these dumb accounts to do it. Anyway, those are my two pet peeves, man. You can tell I speak with passion and I speak with truth. <laughs> that you do. Um, all right, yeah. so bringing on the bullshit. Um, I got a couple of things. I had some packages piling up, and I had mentioned this on the pod couple of weeks ago i think when tim was on and it was where is it it was uh, a batman superman america or it was like a shoot what is it something finest the art adams book yes yeah. the art adams so i got that art adams book in and uh i had ordered also with that same same seller gen 13 monkey man and o'brien and so i got those in um looking through the art adams book the um, I'm sorry, the Batman Superman book. I didn't like the I didn't like how it was inked. I was like, mm. this is probably why this book isn't talked about a lot because yeah. it was Art Adams pencils, but it was someone else inking him. And, and I'm sorry, they didn't do him justice. Like w the way it yeah. came out, I was like, yeah, this isn't exactly the Art Adams that I'm used to seeing. You know, it was a interesting yeah so so i was a little bummed about that um i still think it was a good pickup for a buck 50 i have no problem with what i paid for it obviously the shipping was more than the book cost so um mm -hmm. you know it is what it is but i got another book out of it and i ended up getting another copy of uh, the first appearance of killer croc batman uh, 358 on the cheap and something I, I don't know if I talked about this on the pod. So Daniel Warren Johnson has a new book out. It's called Do a Powerbomb. It's from Image Comics. Yeah. Number one came out a couple weeks back. And I saw that there was an alternate cover he posted on his social media about. And it was an alternate cover for a shop that he did. And I ordered a couple of copies for it. Um, I guess the character, one of the characters on the cover... Um, okay. Yeah, it's their mascot, I get. It's the mascot for their book. Or for their, their oh, okay. comic shop. And so he's on the cover doing some wrestling moves with the two main characters from the first issue. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty cool. Um, so I grabbed a couple of copy of the, copies of those. I think they were like 15 bucks, And uh, I, I thought that was reasonable, you know, for an alternate yeah. cover. And sure. uh, yeah, so I grabbed those. Those are pretty good, pretty good looking. Nice, dude. Um, so before I get to the little mini binge, if not not mini binge that I went on. 
I, I came across a, I think it was an Instagram post yesterday that was like one of those photos of a tweet. And the person in the tweet basically said, when when people get asked, like, what what would you recommend as a first comic, right? The answer they always give is something like Dark Knight Returns or Watchmen. When the book that, that first got them hooked in comics was probably part nine of 17 of some convoluted X-Men run, and they loved it and got hooked anyway. <laughs> I just thought that was so fucking funny, man. You know, so I, I was curious, based on that, like, what would you recommend as a first comic? I know I'm putting you on the spot, but you know, like I look, I would not recommend Watchmen or Sandman or Dark Knight Returns as a first comic for somebody to check out. Absolutely not. No. And also, just based off of that, you're going to recommend them some of the best comic books in comic book history. So your the thing you want to introduce them to is one of the top things in the comic book world. So all you have to all they have to go from there is down. That's a terrible yeah. recommendation. Um, one book right. that I do recommend a lot. So I, I like, do you like X-Men? Like, you know, casually, like what, what you've seen of X-Men. Do you enjoy X-Men? Okay. Uh, read Peter David's X-Factor run. Super fun. Mm. I really enjoy that. It's X-Factor as a detective group in Mutant Town. And uh, yeah. it's just highly enjoyable. Tons of character work. You know, there's not a... You know, there are fight scenes and everything like that, but what you're getting primarily is character work. You're getting to know all of these characters as, as if they were people, and it's just highly yeah. enjoyable to me. So I, depending what they're into is what I would recommend. Um, I always yeah. recommend Invincible because it's mm -hmm. a superhero comic, and it's my su favorite superhero comic of all time. So if you read it, you're like, hey, this was pretty good. I like this. Uh, it's, it's my favorite comic. It, but it's definitely a superhero book. So maybe they'll like other superhero books. Okay, so then I'll go down the line. I'll start recommending other superhero books to them. Um, and then if they have like this refined taste and they want something a little more, then maybe I would do Batman Returns, you know, or Dark Knight mm -hmm. Returns, sorry. And, yeah. um, you know, Watchmen, honestly, it, it's it's not one of my favorite reads. It's like for... Tough Swallow. Yeah. Yeah, for me, it's not. It's just like, it's very yeah. dense you have to it's like movies man like sometimes you have to be in the right mindset to watch a certain movie and and yeah. you're not waking up every morning and go, wanting to go like I want to watch Joker that's the movie yeah. I want to watch today it's <laughs> it's not for everyone and it's not for every exactly. morning you know it's just like sometimes yeah it's a Guardian of the Galaxy day you know yeah. it's a uh, it's a Thor Ragnarok day something you just mm -hmm. want to have a good fun time with those are the books that I have a yeah. tendency to recommend because those are the things that I like I like having a good fun time I don't really like being depressed when I'm reading or watching things it's just like totally. it's just not me as a person it's like hey there's enough uh, yeah. bad shit in the world the last thing I'm going to recommend to you is is something where a lot of bad shit's going on totally with with music I I you know like I wouldn't recommend public enemy to someone you know, but I but I would recommend Wu Tang Clan. You know, like Wu Tang Clan's dope and it's fun and it's cool. You know, and and I'm I'm sure like Wu Tang's even a little more hardcore than other stuff. But in terms of comics, I was you know I'm just answering my own question, and the couple books that come to my head would be um, recently I think like 
Beta Ray Bill. Mm-hmm. That miniseries would be a fun. And, I, and I'm trying to think, by the way, as as a first comic, I want to try to find something that's not that expensive, obviously. So the Beta Ray Bill miniseries would be great. I think um, uh, anything anything Amazing Spider-Man between about 255 and 350 is probably pretty fun. Like, you know, yeah, a little hit or miss, but uh, boy, do I like a lot of issues in that run. I would say maybe the John Byrne Fantastic Four run, that would be a great one because those books are cheap right now. You can find almost all of those books for like three bucks, you know? <laughs> and uh, and again, we're talking about a first comic, something that's just going to give people a thing to the one in our comics. And when in doubt, I would recommend the thing that got me into comics, which is Secret Wars. Go, go read Secret Wars. Or... To, to call back one final thing that we talked about earlier in this podcast. In fact, it just came out this week. So it is in comic shops now. If you want to get a trade paperback out there, then uh, Jason Aaron's uh, Thor run, yep. I think either all of it or half of it is collected in a trade paperback. And it's somewhere between, I don't know, 12 and 24 issues. All 24 issues are phenomenal. It is 24 of the best comic issues that you can possibly read. And they're all collected in one place, I think, now. You know, and uh, great story, man. Just just totally worthwhile. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's just, there's so many great creators right now. And like even in the past. So it's it's interesting. Like, yeah, you're totally right. I would absolutely recommend that Beta Ray Bill run. Like that, that miniseries. It's, it was so much fun. And it's just like, hey, the story's fun. The art's amazing. Uh, what else do you have? And then you can go, well, if you yeah. like Daniel Warren Johnson, here's the rest of his catalog, you know? Totally. Like, if you like him, maybe you'll like Sean Gordon Murphy, you know? It's not yeah. as energetic as, as Daniel Warren Johnson, but there's an aesthetic there, so uh, you might enjoy both of those creators. And then, so you can kind of go down the rabbit hole. It's like, well, what did you like about this? Well, I liked this. And then you can find other other stories that are similar to that. That There's a vein there that you want to tap into so it's all on what someone's interest is and uh you know kind of the aesthetic of the person it's like okay well they're kind of like this guy's into metal so i would probably you know beta ray bill's perfect it's like totally hey that that's why that's why murder falcon got recommended to me and shout out i don't i don't know if he listens but funky at comic book hideout has hit me to so many books like when i was first getting back into horror i'm like what horror books are good and he gave me a list of like five and then I tried about five or six more of my own, and he had a better hit rate than I did in terms of the books he recommended. He recommended Ice Cream Man and Something is Killing the Children. You know what I mean? It's like, shit, man, that's that's two pretty good ones to start there. You know, yeah. I, I tried some other things, and I think one or two of the ones that I picked I really liked. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, yeah, see, that's again, the- that's, that's, that's what great people at a good comic shop will do for you, too. Yeah. You know, they'll serve as that person that... that Instead of, you know, if you say a great litmus test is if you ask someone, what should I read? And they recommend something to you without asking you a question first, be mindful, right? Like anybody who like if they want to recommend something good, the first thing they're going to do is ask you back. Well, what do you like? What movies do you like? Like, tell me some stuff you like and then maybe I can recommend something in vain with that and we can go from there. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I know we're, we're running long on time, but the Keith Keith little binge thing. So I watched and enjoyed a ton Umbrella Academy season three. So I really like Umbrella Academy. And I was happy to see it come out. And I watched the whole thing over a weekend, mainly because, you know, our whole family had COVID. And so we were able to ration our time and knock out those 10 episodes without much effort at all. 
But as I was sitting there watching like a couple, I was in that like episode three or four and I was like, man, I really like this show. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why don't I own these comics? If I love it so much, why do I not own these comics? And so I started to do a search. And right when I clicked on like the first search button, I was thinking, you know what? I get the feeling that Umbrella Academy is the kind of book that it's post prime because it's been made into a show and therefore there isn't that potential for it to go up. It simply is the value it is, or maybe it's even come down. And therefore I get the feeling that the value on it is pretty good. And I was right. So within about a three and a half hour span, in fact, I believe I texted you on like a Sunday morning and I said, hey man, I'm looking at this price for the first uh, mini series of Umbrella Academy. What do you think? And you were like, and, and I think I told you a couple things like, look, it's low. It's low at buy it now. Like I could get cute and make an offer. In fact, I think what happened was I made an offer, let it age overnight. The person didn't respond. And then I was just looking at it going, that buy it now price is still lower than any completed auction in the last month. And you were like, just grab it. And so mm-hmm. that's what I did. And then you said something like, well, shit, I'm interested now. So then I said, just hold off. Or, or I said, I'll let you know which which ones I'm going for so we don't have to like fight each other and outbid each other for stuff. And then within the next hour, I basically sent you texts that were like, just grab the second season. Don't worry about that. And then it was like, and this like 45 minutes later, I was like, and I now have everything. Feel free to go shop away yeah. because I went from zero to every one of the first three miniseries in about three hours. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. You're like, well, don't grab this one yet. And I'm like, I'm eating dinner. I'm like, <laughs> you're like, hey, I got the third one. So you're clear. I was like, cool. It's <laughs> like in the middle yeah, of stuff. Go. So, yeah, I'm exactly. definitely I need exactly. to get on it. There's a couple of other books I did buy. Uh, the Jane Foster Thor number one, like I stupidly didn't buy when it was coming out and I was collecting comics. Um, so I paid for that and I got it at an okay price. I'm okay with what I paid for it because it is already uh, slabbed. And I'm like, okay, well, good enough. And, uh, you know, I have no intentions of selling it. So yeah, I think prior to you like you had asked me, like, "Hey, is this a good price?" And I was just like, "You know, I was gonna ask you the same thing. I saw that earlier." Um, and so after that, I started researching it. And I'm like, "Actually, that's kind of a standard price." And then I found one that was under. So it was like a hundred bucks that you had sent me, and uh, one of the shops had had it for a hundred bucks. And I looked it up, and a guy had it for like I think ninety or best offer. Oh, for Thor number one. Thor yeah, number one, yeah. Jane Foster. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, "Fuck it." Let me offer him 75 and see what he says. He took it. Took 75. Nice. Yeah. And it's already nice. slabbed. So I'm just like, right on, man. We're good. I'm, I'm taking this off oh, the yeah. list. Like, no need to done and search done. anymore. And, and it's good. You know, if it goes down, it goes down. If it goes up, it goes up. And, um, yeah, man. you know, I don't know. I, I feel like your, you know, your analysis of, of uh, Umbrella Academy is, is accurate. So, but I'm also curious how that applies to past you know marvel movies that have come out it's like what are the first appearance of those ones like because like you said it's just like well it's been out a while like no one's on the hunt for it and so Mm -hmm. it's just like well i wonder if the jane foster thor you know in like a year will go down or it'll go up who knows we'll see maybe i mean that that's the gamble I, i mean i can tell you that in the last year i have bought the first appearance of malekith we both have 
for a very cheap price because it's post-prime. And the other thing that I got, which was shockingly low, was the first appearance of the Infinity Gauntlet, which I believe is in a Silver Surfer. I think it's Silver Surfer 44. I got that thing at a criminal price. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, I get that. that I mean, the, the market has been set, I guess, and people don't care anymore because... The Infinity Gauntlet isn't going to be in any movie. Yeah, it's already done. It already was in the best arc of Marvel's history. Yeah. You know, so, but that said, won't more people find out about it in the future? Like, doesn't it feel like that would still go up? Exactly. It it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. So, so it's like, yeah, let everyone not buy it because they feel like it's done and there's no value there. The first appearance is always the first appearance. So that's, yeah, that's something I think about when I'm buying certain books it's like well this will always be the first appearance of this character you know it'll never not be the first appearance of this character or this item you know like infinity gauntlet so i think it's a good right and i mean yeah and thanks and i mean and my text to you was something like i just paid far less for the first entire arc of umbrella academy which is a known you know like the thing about an umbrella academy if i remember right was that I think season one came out sometime over the beginning of COVID. It was one of those like two or three week smashes. It didn't hang around forever, but it was the kind of show that everybody was talking about. Yep. It was it was a big deal. It was kind of a big deal around here. <laughs> and and that's why it's so shocking to me that like I got the first six issues all together from far less than a one out of 100 variant of like something is killing the children number 17. It's like, dude, who the fuck cares about your stupid one out of 100 variant? Yeah. You know what I mean? For a like, random number. <laughs> for a random number that means nothing. You know what I mean? Like, again, I, I, I know, I mean, I think I've gone on record before about these one in 25, one in 50, one in 100s. I just think they're sucker bets. And, uh, I mean, I've I got one or two because the the cover was so cool that I just couldn't pass, and I got a decent deal, and I had money that week, yeah. you know, like that kind of thing. So you do it, but yeah, just in terms of value, why would you pass on these first appearances for for these manufactured value collectibles with the dumb one in one hundred covers? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So anyway, yep. but hey, you. that's just me. Right on. All right. Well, hey, that'll do it for this episode. We're going a little long. So um, you can find me at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. Yeah, I'll be quick through all this stuff. Keith underscore Invader. That is me and my comics. Could at Kadoja Kaiju, all one word, both on Instagram. That is Giant Monsters. And you can find my book, Second Shift and Wanders of Melisanda, at accidentalaliens.com. Second Shift, Minimum Wage Superheroes, Wanders of Melisanda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs vs. Humans, all at accidentalaliens.com. KeithRFoster.com. You can check out my books. You can check out some, some background on both Kadoji and Three Protectors. You can check out all the blog posts I've done. And you can also go to a store which is updated with updated quantities and grab some product for yourself. And then you can leave us, whoa, hey, words. You can leave us a message at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, questions, comments, concerns, if you like this episode, any other episodes, uh, you got something that you want us to talk about we haven't talked about yet, we would greatly appreciate you giving us a subject matter to talk about. Yeah. Hey, five stars on Apple Podcasts. 
five stars on Spotify podcast, five stars on Apple podcasts, five stars on Spotify podcast. And lest we forget five stars on Apple podcasts. Boom. And, and five stars on Spotify podcasts. There they are. And I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking like, but what about Apple podcasts? Will you give us five stars on those? And then you're probably thinking, but what about Spotify podcasts? You give us five stars on those two. Those are the only options. Those are the only options. Five stars. They, they, when it, yeah, exactly. Five stars, exactly. <laughs> All right. That'll do it for this episode. We'll see you guys next week. Peace.